What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back here on July 27th, 2021. It's a Tuesday morning. I'm back from my four-day-long road trip. Uh, we'll be talking plenty about baseball today, as well as I just saw. I saw three baseball games in the span of three days. Had a fun time. I hope everyone's enjoying the summer. We'll be talking plenty of baseball. We got some big college football news that broke. Um, It's still kind of ongoing here. We'll be talking plenty of that, and I have the right guy joining me to talk all that stuff today. Andrew Stem, I'll bring him in in a second. Before I bring him in, just want to say if you guys like this episode of the Jack Vita Show, you guys like what I'm doing here, and if you're enjoying the sports movie bracket, which we analyzed last week with Paul Oren, you can vote for the we have 128 movies in this bracket. You can vote on my social media accounts at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and then subscribe to the Jack Vita Show and get my email newsletter at jackvita.com. We'll be back later this week uh, covering the MLB trade deadline. Very exciting time of year, and I will also be doing a weekend sports. Uh, recap update probably talking a lot of baseball next monday with albert destrade he will be returning to the show uh the nephew of arrestus estrade and uh former survivor star in his own right but we have so much to get into today so i want to bring in our guest and waste no more time he writes at the omaha world herald and is joint this is his what seems to be his 20th appearance of the year on this show andrew stem welcome back Oh, always good to be here and talking sports with you, Jack. And uh, I really enjoy your episode with Paul breaking down the the sports movie bracket. I've been a lot of fun voting in that. And uh, <laughs> uh, first round's over, right? Or just about wrapping up? I'm uh, looking no, forward. No, we're, I, we're I, halfway. Th- we're halfway through the first round. We I, got a whole other week of first round voting because we have I, eight regions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, twice as long. And I got to remember because <laughs> it helps to remind me because you while you were on your trip, you weren't popping up the vote. So uh, now that yeah. you're back, gotta gotta get back and get voting again. Oh, yeah. I've, I'll put them up tonight. Uh, it's Tuesday. I'm probably going to be putting those up sometime in between 5 and 9 p.m. every night. I've noticed those are the optimal social media hours, so we get the most people seeing it because sometimes it gets, it gets buried in the Instagram algorithm. But uh, lively first week of voting, and P.O. came in with some hot takes. Did you have any strong disagreements with him, Andrew? Um. You know, not for the most part. I think he and I generally seem pretty, we kind of like the same sort of movie. So I didn't have too many disagreements with, with anything he said. What about what I said? Um, no, you know, I, I don't really think, I mean, I didn't feel like either of your takes were incredibly hot. Um, I feel like. I mean, the the Eddie over Remember the Titans was a pretty strong one from P.O. Well, I mean, Yvonne <laughs> make basket, right? I mean, Yvonne take yeah. charge. So, <laughs> no, I don't. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where the, uh, I appreciate it because it's all kind of you know subjective, right? Like, what do you think is? Yeah. A, I mean, do you go well? It was a higher quality movie. Well, this one was more entertaining. Like, what what sort of criteria do you know each individual voter kind of kind of take into it and and things of that nature? So, no, it was a really good discussion. I've had a lot of fun voting. Um, I don't think there have been any so far where I've been surprised when I voted and then seen where the results were. So, uh, so far it seems to be moving along okay. All right. Yeah. Well, the one big upset, I think everyone, everything was pretty predictable. I think everything made sense in round one. The one big upset, and honestly, I wasn't surprised by it 
the 15 seed, like Mike, dethroning the two seed, I, Tanya. And I think that's a product of I, Tanya being a newer movie that people haven't gotten to see yet. I haven't seen it. And then a lot of people from my generation, like Mike, was was one of our movies growing up. It was like the Sandlot for your generation. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a pretty apt description. And uh, I think you make a pretty fair point. Although, you know, um, since the Summer Olympics are happening. Um, yes. You know, the, I was just going to say, like, figure skating, kind of a niche sport. Like, I know when the Winter Olympics come around, everybody gets all excited for it and we like to watch it. But if, if you don't remember that Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan thing, you know, I was 11 or, or 12 when that kind of all played out. And if you don't, if that doesn't really resonate with you, like, there's a chance that, and, you know, like you said, in addition to being a newer movie, things like that, like, you know, everybody, I feel like our generation and, like, relates to, to Michael Jordan. So, pretty good point there you make yeah absolutely so uh guys get out there and vote the only time i'm going to tell you guys to vote or what to vote for <laughs> is when you vote in my brackets uh so have lots you can check out the whole bracket at jackvita.com and we'll be firing up the voting once again here on tuesday running the rest of the week and then getting into the second round next week so it should be a lot of fun andrew how was your weekend it was good i uh it was relatively warm here, so we didn't do a whole lot. I took advantage of being able to watch a lot of sports. I had the Olympics on at the office. I uh, was trying to get used to remembering when events were live and when they were tape delayed and, and all of that. So that was good. And keeping an eye on the the baseball stuff, you know, the trade, de- the trade deadline coming up. Those are the, uh, the trio of, of young Cubs players, uh, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and uh, Javier Baez of all you know, are in the process of playing their last few games together. And I know you had a piece about, uh, you know, what's kind of coming from there and the offensive struggles and Tom Ricketts not entirely being to blame. And um, But, you know, it, at some point soon that, that core is going to get you know, in the next few days, at least one of those members of the, if not more, are going to get traded. So was trying to watch their last few games at home and, and all that stuff and kind of, keep you know, keep an eye on everything. And then about a week ago, the, the college football world got, Got a big dose of surprise with Texas and and Oklahoma, <laughs> right. you know, saying that they're uh, looking trying to get into the SEC and kind of how the the shockwaves from that have come around and and that's one big thing you want to discuss. So I won't hit too much on it now, but there was a lot a lot of sports going on. A lot happened, yeah. and uh, we got a lot to cover, which is always good because you know it beats when you have to try and fill an hour plus podcast or whatever with nothing really to talk about. So <laughs> this is the opposite of that. Yeah, we had so much fall into our laps over the last few days. I mean, keep in mind, Cleveland Indians are changing their name, and that happens two days before I go to Cleveland. So we'll talk about that. I got some really interesting fan responses to that. And Nelson Cruz got traded, and I saw him. It was either his first or second game. He played on Sunday in Cleveland, and he hit a home run over the center field wall for the Rays. Um, so we had a lot just fall into our laps. We did not expect any college football shock waves when we, uh, I know I texted you. It was kind of like an emergency pod when that happened. I was like emergency pod, but we're going to delay it a few days because I'm going out of town, but <laughs> so we got a lot, but yeah, Andrew, I had a great time. And for those who don't know, I spent the last four days just driving pretty much all, well, a lot. I was on the road a lot over the last four days. I spent uh, three three days, went to three different ballparks, and I'm going to talk about a little bit. We'll talk about some of these ballparks. So I went to Cleveland and Cincinnati, and I had made plans. This is something that I'm going to get a little preachy here for a second. I had made plans for 
about uh, maybe two months ago. And the plan was, all right, this Friday, last Friday, I'm going to spend the night in Indy, see some of our friends down there. And I was really excited for that. And then I'm going to go to Columbus for Saturday and Sunday, stay with Evan Myers, who's a frequent on this show, hasn't been on in a while. But um, then Evan and I ended up road tripping and taking day trips to see the Reds and the Indians. And it was a great time. A lot of thoughts on those parks. But before I, I, I get into that, I want to talk about what happened to me on Friday was I had made this plan for, again, two months. Unfortunately, something came up with all three of my friends that I was going to see in Indy just last second, something came up and they were unable to house me. They were unable to hang out. And initially when I found this out, it just kind of happened a couple days before and I just got sad. I was discouraged. And I think it's a lot of times we feel sad or discouraged when something doesn't go according to plan, something that we had planned out. And then for me as a Christian, you know, I believe that God has a plan for me and for my life and that God's in control. And so I took a step back and I just said, okay, well, obviously that wasn't his plan for me to go to India on Friday. And I can see my friends on Monday. So what is it that I should do on Friday? Because Evan is out of town Friday and I needed somewhere to go. And I couldn't drive all the way to Columbus at 3 (laughs) a.m. on Saturday. So I texted you, Andrew, and I said, hey, I'm looking for something to do. And you suggested minor league baseball. And I ended up going to the Fort Wayne Tin Caps game along the way. And I just thought, okay, you know what? This would be something fun. I need some entertainment. It's a ballpark. It's a game. It's cheap. Be a fun experience. I've never been to a minor league game. As I was uh, as I was driving there, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to a game by myself, which I've gone to games in the past. I've been to a couple spring training games by myself, but I haven't done too much on my own. And so I was like, all right, you know, I started thinking. I was like, maybe God has a reason that he wants to Maybe there's someone that he wants me to meet at this game. Maybe he's putting me there for a reason. And Andrew, let me tell you, that's exactly what happened. It was the coolest thing. I sit down. I'm sitting just a few rows behind home plate. Great seats. Sat the first inning by myself. And then who shows up? And by the way, no, I did not find love at this game. I know that's what some of the listeners are probably hoping hoping for. That's not what happened. But the eight people to the left of me. Who are they but the local Fort Wayne news team on ABC and NBC affiliates? And they're all about my age or younger, maybe a little older. And I just I started talking with them, hit off with them, had a great time, made some great connections, made some new friends. And I felt like God intentionally put those people in my path. It was not his plan for me to go to Indy that night so that I could meet these people connected with some of them on Twitter. Hopefully some of them are listening right now and hopefully the start of a great friendship with them, Andrew. Nice. Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I've done ball games individually before and it's kind of one of those things where it's nice to have a group to go with, but it's also, you know, you get, you feel like, I feel like you're more open and you get a chance to meet people when you're there on your own because you know, you're not worried about carrying on a conversation with your friends or significant others or whatever. Certainly there's nothing wrong with going to games. And I certainly love, you know, going to games with my friends and with my wife, Megan and, and all that stuff. But occasionally when you go on your own, you get a chance to kind of develop these relationships like you talked about that might not happen otherwise. So I'm, I'm glad that worked out for you and that, uh, the ABC and NBC affiliates in, in Fort Wayne seem to have some good people and, uh, glad it was a good time. Awesome time. So, so glad I got to meet them. Who knows? Maybe we'll get some of them on here in the future. 
Some of them like sports. So uh, that was a great time. Saturday, I went to the Great American Ballpark, and I absolutely loved it, Andrew. You had told me it's a great park. And in terms of my rankings, I have about 11 ballparks I've been to. I think, it, yeah, it's 11 that I've ranked, and then there's another one that I went to that I didn't really critique, so I wouldn't factor that in. Uh, great American Ballpark is top five for me. That That seems reasonable. It's been... Uh, I went, we went once when I was an undergrad. So in 2005, we road trip down on a random Tuesday night when we were getting ready to graduate. And I was like, let's go do this. And then, uh, went again in the summer of 2010 with a friend of mine, we did a, a tour similar to what you did. We did a little bit extended one, but, um, yeah, Cincinnati's a good one. I love that nice big video board they have in the left of fence and the open concourse and, and yeah. all that stuff. It's it's just laid out really nice. It's it's one of the nicer kind of Edo you know, it was it was built I can't remember, two thousand, early two thousands. Two thousand three, uh, I believe, was the first stadium so, first year. So yeah, so it's got that it's got that open feel. It, it's one of those nice new modern kind of stadiums. It's it's a nice one. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think Part of what I really liked about it, so I, I likened it to, it was a little bit, I edged it just above Miller Park, and I love Miller Park, but I think that it had a similar kind of feel to it with a Midwestern park, but the thing that I don't like about Miller Park, and there are other stadiums where it's the same thing, I don't like when you have the big outfield foul territory upper deck seating, because no one wants to sit there unless it's a playoff game. And oftentimes you don't fill the whole park up. So Great American, you get a nice little view of the river in the back in the distance and a little bit of the city. Um, it's the right size for it. And that's what I think is so great. That's part of what makes it so great. It has a classic feel to it. The food was fantastic. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. I, you've said everything <laughs> I think I probably would have said. Uh, it's It's... Definitely one of my favorites in the in the Central Division, for sure. So, Andrew, uh, before I talk Progressive Field, I want to know your thoughts on Progressive Field. You know, it's this is going to sound an awful lot like this discussion we had. We were talking about mascots. It's <laughs> it's fine, okay? I I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, it was it was there. I didn't feel. Now again, this has been you know ten, eleven years. Um, so, but I didn't feel like there was, but like there's that area in left field which is kind of cool where uh, you know Rajai Davis's home run went. Yeah, uh, in game I love six that. Of, in world in game six. Of, other than that, there's nothing that I found that makes it feel any different from. I would say a half dozen other parks that were built at that time. Like that, that's just kind of my interpretation. Like it, it seems very similar to some of those that were built in the mid to late nineties. You know, they all kind of, if, if they don't have something that specifically stands out for, for that park, they all kind of feel the same. So I didn't love it. I didn't hate, it was cool to be there. Um, but it, it wasn't one of those where I went, I absolutely positively have to go back to this one. I, okay, so I had some similar feelings and also some different feelings as well. I think Progressive Field, I, I had a great time at the game. And I think the field, as you mentioned, I actually, I do think it's a nice park. Um, I think the thing that I really gravitated towards were the Cleveland fans. The Cleveland fans, 
it cannot be overstated how great this fan base is. And I went into this, by the way, I'm a Steelers fan, not great feelings towards the Browns. I went from, especially after Miles Garrett situation a couple years ago, and I went from thinking over the course of three hours, like, yeah, screw the Browns too. You know what? These fans are so fantastic and so great that I would be really happy for them if the Browns won the Super Bowl. I, it was like a, it was like night and day, like a, I had a conversion kind of thing with the, that fan base. These guys are so passionate about their team. They're humble, working class, blue collar people, Midwestern town. It's a great feel to it. They have so much passion and love for their team, and everyone was just super nice. They were doing chants. They're having a lot of fun, and I think, I think the fan experience ups the experience at progressive field significantly i'd also compare it a little bit and i this isn't entirely fair because i think this ballpark is way nicer than the one i'm about to compare it to but um it's a little bit like the oakland fans like that's not an amazing park but the oakland fans are so great it makes the and (laughs) the oakland fans are definitely a little uh a little different from the cleveland fans they're a little tougher but uh, they do elevate the experience. I do think Progressive Field's a nice park. And there was a kind of feel. It had another feel to it in addition to fans. Because it's a little, it is like you mentioned, that 90s park. There's a little bit when I felt like I moved down, I jumped some seats like later in the game. I was like, I kind of feel like I time traveled to like 2002. Like this doesn't feel like a 2021 ballpark. And I like that feel to it, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I would agree with that. I think it's like I don't I don't I don't I don't want the, the story from this to come out in the record. Be like I, I don't think it's a nice park. It's right. It's, there are a lot of good like, parks. Not, too. Right, there are a lot of good parks, and there are some that are not so good. Um, but you're definitely right about the the fans making the experience. And I don't know was the was the drummer there? They're, they're famous for the the guy who sits in the upper deck and beats on the drum. Uh, I don't know if he was there. If he's even still a thing, I know he was there. Few, I know he was there a few years ago. Um, but yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's another one. It's really walkable. I really like about that. The yeah. concourse goes all the way around, especially in the outfield. It's lower behind the bullpen. So you can walk back there and a lot of standing room seats when the, the park is full. And, um, we went on dollar hot dog night, which is oh. a good plan until it becomes a bad <laughs> plan. Um, it, three hot dogs are good. The fourth one is the one that gets you at least in my experience. But, um, yeah, no, it's a nice place. Um, I would definitely go back again. Um, I wouldn't necessarily, like I said before, say it's one I have to get back to. Like one we're if you ever get to PNC, we'll have to have a discussion about PNC because oh, yeah. PNC is one of those that ends up on the list of like if I lived closer, I'd go 10, 15 times a year or one that when you're out that way, you got to check out and get back to. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you were able to experience those. I also did not know that before Friday, you'd never been to a minor league baseball game. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll be I'll be honest. That fact surprises me a little bit, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, think um, about where I grew up. There are no minor league teams here. That's true. That's true. That, that's the reason. Yeah. Uh, and I'd never. I went. The colleges I went to were within an hour fifteen from home. So yeah. I've never lived far from Chicago. Gotcha. Chicago's you know big market. But yeah, you know I think Cleveland. I think that park. So I ended up. I would rank that one out of my. I'll give you my eleven. So I actually would say the one that I have ranked the lowest, and it's kind of similar to what you said about Progressive Park. I just or Progressive Field. 
I think this part just has no feel to it. There's nothing about it that makes it special. And it's it, it sounds negative, it sounds mean, but it's just the fact that there are a lot of parks that I think are a lot better, and that's guaranteed rate field where the Sox play. And I go to a good amount of Sox games, and I have fun, I always have fun, but there's just nothing about it that feels unique to me. That would be my number 11. I mean, I think that's, uh, that's an accurate description. Um... I mean, other than the, you know, the the statues and um, they have the outfield and and the the scoreboard yeah. shooting off fireworks and stuff and the the pinwheels. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of one of those things where when you say, you know, you, when we talked about you know feeling like a, a mid '90s park, like that's just very much what it feels like. It could be in if you took the bunting down, it could be in any number of cities. And you know, some people really like that. Like it's it's a it's a comfortable park. There are lots of good sight lines. But in terms of the food is really good. But in terms of like I guess unique characteristics and and things of that nature, like that's yeah, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah, food is really good there. Uh, so I, I got eleven. I got guaranteed rate ten. I got oco coliseum except i just noticed they changed the name again they've changed it a million times that's where the a's play um i mean guaranteed rates probably a nicer park but i think the experience there is a little more fun uh and then where i I put progressive somewhere in this like eight or nine either with angel stadium or progressive field um really good parks i liked them both a lot but again the parks above it i just think are a little better uh ballpark at arlington seven in texas it's gone now that was a really cool park uh sadly is gone miller park six great american ballpark five uh dodger stadium four which i think might be dodger stadiums one that i think people kind of they're hot or cold on it. I really loved it because I love the kind of old school feel to it. It's an old park and you got the hills out there in the outfield. Uh, Petco Park 3, Oracle Park 2, where the Giants play. And Petco, by the way, the, the Padres. Um, absolutely beautiful park, beautiful city there in San Diego. And then number one, Wrigley, of course. You know, it's interesting, uh, the, the kind of wide variety of... Like you've you've had your West Coast swing, and then uh, you know you've got uh, some in the Midwest here. Because um, I've seen I've seen yeah. Dodger Stadium, and I've seen all the parks in the division except for I haven't been to Target Field. I've seen a game at the Metrodome, and uh, I can probably count the number of no longer in existence parks. I've seen games at Tiger Stadium, <laughs> County Stadium, where the Brewers used to play. Um, you know, I haven't thought about ranking a list, um, but. I just want to kind of end on, I was sort of disappointed in Miller Park. Like, I didn't think it was terrible, but I just, like, I don't know if I'd expected more and it didn't meet those expectations or if it was because we went on just a random Wednesday night or what the deal was. <laughs> like, again, it was nice. Like, I've never had a bad experience at any of these ballparks. Like, they weren't run down. Like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about concrete or anything falling on me. I just was... <laughs> For the the marvel of kind of being indoors and and all that stuff, I was just a little bit disappointed. But um, yeah, that's 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 kind of my ballpark thoughts. Um, you, you know, you know, part of me part of me loves Wrigley. Another part of me thinks that I mean they put a lot of money into it, so it's gotten nicer. But um, you know, another part of me when people are like, it's you know, it's old, it's it's you know, I get that too. So yeah, totally. I would say. 
that um so i also want to add for cleveland and this is going to be our transition point i talked to a lot of fans uh however i also before asking them what do you think about the name change to the guardians i asked them what should i eat here and a lot of people were just kind of saying i ah, just get whatever you want so i googled it and the attraction at the park was a hot dog with Fruit Loops, pimento, mac and cheese, and bacon on top of it. I, and I, I really liked it. I saw that on your, I can't remember whether it was your Snap story or your Instagram story, but I was like, <laughs> this is this is something else. <laughs> I, do, I do have to ask, did you uh, did, did you get Skyline Chili, chili you were in Cincinnati? Oh, yeah. I, I really liked it, to tell okay. the truth. And okay, now, good. Yeah, I, I can't remember. They sell Skyline at the ballpark, or was that something you had to get yes. out of? Because there's the two types. There's Skyline, and there's it's gold something, I think, right? Yeah, the gold star, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Something so, like that. I couldn't remember which one they uh, sold at the ballpark. They have Skyline, and they don't have them in a very large size. They're like two little dogs. They're kind of like sliders. and Or you get one, and it's like six fifty. So I got two of them. I really liked it, and Evan was like, we should have just gone to Skyline on the way here. <laughs> and I was like, well, Evan, yeah, you should know. This is where you live. And he's like, yeah, but I don't like Skyline, so I don't want to uh, go there. I was uh, like, all right, whatever. I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, um, yeah I, And that's I, how I win the Cincinnati listeners, too, by the way, by telling them go. that it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I like the <laughs> – and, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, you put it on the spaghetti noodles if you went in that particular direction. I don't know if they gave an option, but, you know, if you eat it in store, that's that's one of the big things is they put it on noodles, and it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, it's yeah. definitely one of those things when you're not from the area, you definitely have to try. So. Yeah, it was – I mean, it was good. I liked it. And I should also mention one more thing on Cincinnati – I met up with a listener, Ryan Packett. He's in our fantasy league. He was at the game. He hit me up and uh, had a great time with him. So this that made me think, Andrew. I was thinking, had this idea last night as, as, as I was getting ready for bed. I think next year we should have some kind of like a Jack Vita show ballpark trip where you, me, and maybe Jordan and whoever else wants to, we could try to find a weekend that we all want to go to the same park. Maybe it's PNC. And we get an Airbnb, we hang out, and then we tell the listeners, "Hey, we're gonna be at this at this game. Come on through, and we can all hang out as a little little community together." That'd be fun. That's a really good idea. Yeah, we'll see. Stay tuned for that, folks. Okay, so in Cleveland, this news broke Friday morning. They put out a, an Instagram, a Twitter video, and they said with Tom Hanks narrating it, uh, they had the Black Keys, who I think are from Columbus. Is Tom Hanks a Cleveland guy? I'm honestly not sure. I was initially surprised when they said that he was doing that. Um, I can take a look here. Who would you think of as like the Cleveland guy, like Drew Carey? I probably would have thought first of Drew Carey. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't give a whole lot of credence to where guys are from, or at least think about it all right. that often, unless they're ones like you specifically associate with. Um. A particular place so i don't know what his uh i don't know if tom hanks has any particular ties to the city or not but he's he's like um he has one of those voices so if he wants to if he yeah. wants to lend it to it i'm certainly not <laughs> going to complain if he does um made it a little bit easier to to you know listen to i think knowing that, that he was reading <laughs> yeah. it so 
Yeah, so Tom Hanks, and they announced that the Cleveland Indians, which had also, the organization had announced earlier that they would be getting rid of the name, they'd be getting a new name, and they will be the Cleveland Guardians uh, moving forward, which, by the way, I must say, Drew Carey, I thought, I had not thought of the Drew Carey show in a very long time, and then as I was, as I was driving to Cleveland, I listened to Cleveland Rocks, and I was like, oh my gosh, Drew Carey show. That was a big show. Like, and it's never on TV any I never it's not one of those shows like Home Improvement that is re-airing all the time. It's a classic Cleveland show. It used to be on TBS, I feel like. Um when they first got the when Turner first got the NCAA tournament rights, I feel like I remember seeing a lot of commercials for, you know, reruns of the Drew Carey show and people were like, though, this is, you know, still on. So I don't know if it's if it's disappeared, if it's found the streaming home, or, or what the deal is. but uh, Were you a fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Drew Carey, Ryan Stiles, all those guys who were on there. It's so funny. That's such a funny <laughs> show. It was great. My parents loved it, and I caught the, kind of the end of that. I remember it ended in 04, so I turned 10 years old that year. So I saw a little bit towards the end. One of the best theme songs ever, Cleveland Rocks. Great song. Um, they should have brought him in for that video because I think that'd probably be a stronger endorsement for the Cleveland fans, potentially. Andrew, they're not happy right now. But before I get to their thoughts, what are your general thoughts on the new name? You know, I don't... Like, I, I know they talked about the the bridge, right? The the Guardians on the bridge, and that's kind of where it came from. And, um, you know, so if, if you know Cleveland and you know history, at least it has some, you know, kind of local ties. And we talked about how important it might be to have some ties to the region when we were talking about Buffalo's new mascot, which hopefully they should be announcing sometime soon. <laughs> um, but so, you know, from that case, I don't like it has some meaning. I you know, I, when I first heard it, my first thought was Guardians of the Galaxy, and I don't know whether that's what they were going <laughs> right. to, but that's kind of, you know, I feel like when you think of the Guardian, you know, you either of the Guardian, you think either of the, the British newspaper or you think of Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, I don't know if those were the necessarily the associations they wanted. Um, those are kind of ones I thought of. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't, I don't love it. I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that they would have gone with the Spiders from the the old uh, pre Cleveland Indians franchise, but. I'd be interested to hear what Clevelandites said about it, since it sounds like it was pretty unpopular. Yeah. Uh, what, what were they hoping for and yeah. things of that nature? I'll, I'll say before I get to that, I will say that the name, I feel like they were trying to do something that wouldn't be too radically different from what it was before, because the second half of the name is the same. D-I-A-N-S. The font looks the same. Like It looks like they're going to try to make the uniforms look the same. I think the logo is absolutely horrible. It looks like they took the Dayton Flyers logo and they just, like, you know, plagiarized that. <laughs> Between that and some people were referencing the old Angels logo. Oh, with yeah. The, the wings. Uh, it, it looks like they just kind of went strolling through old logos and were like, yeah, let's go with that one. <laughs> so, yes, the reason why the tie-in for Guardians, as you mentioned, that there is that bridge into Cleveland – and if, you, if you're watching Major League, one of the fans broke it down nicely and said, if you're watching Major League, it's one of the very first shots of the film, is these two statues. Oh, yeah. And they're the st- those are the city guardians. Um, 
And so that's where the name basically that's that is like a monument of Cleveland, and that's what they took it from. So I do like the fact that they did something with the city. Now, obviously, I don't think I should give an opinion on this because it's not my team, and I, I'm more interested in what they had to say. So that's what I did, Andrew. I put on my reporter hat as I was at this game, and I tried to talk to as many people or who I was sitting with, and I, I just threw the question out there. I said, what do you guys think of the name Guardians? And it was overwhelmingly hate it. And I, the thing that I was really interested in getting to the bottom of was, is it the fact that it's Guardians, or is it the fact that it's not Indians? And the fact of the matter is, I mean, maybe it's both. Maybe <laughs> I think it may be both, but I think most of it is driven by the fact that they love their team so much. They've gone all out for their team, and they feel betrayed by the organization that after all these years, 100 years, they're changing the name of the team. And that's, that's, what, the, that's what I was gaining from talking to these people, a lot of really kind, sweet people, uh, and you know they 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 don't want to change they don't want to change the name and we won't get into the semantics of if it's right or wrong or not i i don't think that's really our place or what we do on this show but the fact of the matter is the fans really hate it they don't want to change their name and they feel i i think they i would say that they i so i i asked them i said i was like what do you think the approval rating is of this new name and <laughs> Most of them said 0%. Mm. Some of them said 2%. Most of them said less than 10%. They think that they think that the main people that push the change the name don't even live in Cleveland. Yeah. And that's part of why they're upset. And um, yeah, so really a lot of negative energy there. And I, I do feel for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you hope it's something that they'll, you know, when when they see it all put together, they they might start to come around. You hope you don't lose any support for the team because of that. Uh, you know, I know it's 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 new and interesting, and you just got to give it a I guess give it a little bit of time and and see how it goes. I feel like if they win, you know, if they win a World Series title in 2022, 2023 as the Guardians, people <laughs> yeah. will think it's the greatest thing ever. They associate Guardians with being World Series champ, Guardians being with World Series champs, and then it won't matter. So, um, yeah, so. True. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Look at how the Tampa Bay Rays, once they got Devil out of the equation, they got good the next year, and now they're the Rays. And they're, but that's obviously a little different because the uh, Rays did not have the same kind of fans that Cleveland has. So uh, yeah, uh, I feel for the fans. I will say it would be cool if they're able to work some kind of deal out with Marvel and have like a Guardians race in between innings. I think that'd be cool if you had Groot at the games and stuff like that. That's a, that's a really good marketing idea. I, 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 you know, I said, I thought of guardians of the galaxy. I don't know, uh, but I hadn't considered trying to do something like that. Or, uh, you just want to make Groot their version of Mr. Freeze down in Atlanta or something <laughs> along those lines. If, if they could work it out, that would definitely bring, you know, an added element. And I think, you know, baseball is always trying to reach out to, the younger generation. And I feel like that is something that would be good to, you know, start building in that next generation of fans. Yeah. Guardians, by the way, has such a great soundtrack too. You could play those songs at the park. So I I have to think they thought of that. Like they definitely had to think like, well, 
if we're Guardians, people are going to think Guardians of the Galaxy. So be interesting to see if they're able to work something out with Marvel and if they just own it. And they, because if they don't, I think it's going to be, I don't really know how you market it, to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, it will be. It will certainly be interesting, and I know for a lot of people outside of Cleveland, I know they they told you about the statues and the stuff you see in your major league. But for people who don't know Cleveland's history, I'm sure they were like I was, and they would just make those associations uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy. So you hope that you know that they can make that kind of distinction, come up with something, and and work out a deal because I think that would be really good. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk some uh, some baseball stuff. So you mentioned. Andrew, unless there's anything else that we need to add on Cleveland ballparks. Okay, good. Let's talk. You mentioned the piece that I wrote about the Cubs here. I wrote that last week and I'm getting some heat for it, but I like, I like, I like the heat. I'm, I'm not afraid of the heat. So basically I feel like what I've noticed here in Chicago is the fans have really come hard after Tom Ricketts, the owner of the team. And I think you can, if you want to criticize Ricketts for some of the decisions that the Cubs have made as a business, if you don't like the renovations, if you don't like how they've kind of changed the Wrigley area, gotten rid of the Taco Bell across the street, if you don't like the ticket prices, if you don't like Marquee Network, like all those are fair criticisms. In fact, there are several things that they've done that... You know, to tell the truth, I don't love as a Chicago person. You know, I I did enjoy watching the games on WGN, and a lot of people now can't watch the games as they used to. And, uh, you know, tickets are really expensive. I I don't love that. I think all those criticisms are fair. But the criticisms that I'm hearing towards Tom Ricketts at this time are not about those things. They're saying that Tom Ricketts is cheap and that he won't spend money. And the Cubs had one of the three highest payrolls in the National League the last three years, and they won zero playoff games. It wasn't a matter of the Cubs not spending money. It's a a matter of the money that he was funneling into the front office was not being spent properly. And now the Cubs are in a situation, and on top of all those things, it's not just the front office. There were some bad luck situations. The Cubs had an unfortunate set of circumstances that occurred with Addison Russell and with Ben Zobris situation, stuff that was entirely out of the Cubs control. You run in some bad luck and Hey, teams don't stay good for more than five years typically. So here the Cubs are, they're probably going to be rebuilding. I wrote the piece at my website. You can check it out, but um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that idea i don't know if you read the piece or what your thoughts are on this here andrew i did um you made a lot of good salient points like certainly um you know it's it's not his fault that they couldn't hit their way out of uh a paper bag for the last few years um so yeah you made a lot of good points i feel like the front office could have spent the money better i feel like if They'd wanted to lock up, and not that this is necessarily what they needed to do, but if they wanted to have locked up Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant already, they could have. I feel like in the initial post-World Series glow, I guess for lack of better words, there was more of a thought in the owner's box, and this is just my interpretation, so certainly you know, I, I, I think you might disagree, and you're certainly allowed to do so, um, <laughs> right. that... There was more of a focus on 
doing all that stuff around Wrigley, the the ballpark, the the parking garage, making all that stuff look nice as a way to continue to make money without necessarily investing money in the team. Now, not that they weren't, you know, they signed you Darvish, they they did all of these things, and and you can say whether the front office, you know, spent the money the right way. But at the same time, I feel like if they wanted to have secured those three guys, they could have. And whether they wanted to or not, you know, you know, people are going to say, well, look, it's going to be expensive. You know, they're, they're going to, you know, they, they may be asked guys be asking for, you know, 100, 150 million, you know, each. And that's certainly reasonable. But I think if, if they had wanted to, um, you know, they could have now, now, does that mean they should be blowing their personal fortune? No, not necessarily, but I've always been of the opinion and I think you are too, that I don't necessarily understand because I feel like there are some owners in professional sports, not just baseball, sports across the spectrum, who value, who see it more as a, you know, a portfolio investment, buying a team. Like I can't possibly envision wanting to own a sports franchise and not wanting the team to win. But some owners in in a variety of sports look at it as well this is a great way to make money i make my investment you know you, you take a national brand they that people know and you, you put a little bit of investment in and then you can make a lot of money that way um and i just i just can't fathom being like i'm gonna be fine with making millions of dollars but i don't care if the team wins like i i want to put a good product out there now this is obviously why i'm not a multimillionaire because you know i would i, I would have done things very <laughs> differently but um those are just my, you know, kind of interpretations. So you do you think that Tom Ricketts is okay with the team not being good? Because I don't. I don't think he is. It's so hard to tell, mostly because I feel like they've reached a certain point where they're going to be financially profitable. I mean, they, you know, the the Tribune company made money made money hand That's over true. fist for years when the Cubs were terrible. In you know the times where you were growing up after you know, 84 when they didn't slay off again for the most part, you know, they made 89, 84, 89. And then there was a long gap, 98 briefly. And then they started to get good again in the early 2000s. And so like the Cubs have a brand where people will show up, even if they're terrible. Now, will the stadium be full? Probably not, but people will show up and there's a way to, you know, make that happen. So my particular feelings are, I think, now that they, if it would be different if they hadn't gotten the World Series, but once they got the World Series and got the title, it's kind of like, well, you know, we'll we'll kind of see where things go. And again, this is not the ownership's fault that you know the players have have tailed off and they can't hit and and things of that nature. Um, but I don't think there's been necessarily a tremendous push from the owners that I can tell to say we want this to get done. Um, you know that they're, now they're trying to go about and build a different way, which is fine. You know, everybody kind of goes through cycles. The the White Sox went through it. They were, you know, not great for a while. And now they're on the precipice of, you know, possibly winning a, a World Series title here. And I feel like the, you know, my other team, my dad's from Detroit, so I root for the Tigers. And they're going through and doing the same thing after just missing out on, you know, they, they traded a lot of their guys away. Now they seem to be a year or two away from being really good again, making smart drafts. And hopefully they can, you know, make some smart free agent decisions when it comes to that. Um so I don't want to say the Ricketts are cheap, and I don't necessarily—I don't know if I necessarily want to say that like they don't care if the team wins. They, you know, you obviously want your team to win, but it doesn't always necessarily feel like 
they could have done this and maybe they didn't. And maybe that was the front office's decision as opposed to theirs. Maybe they were hamstrung. You know, we're never going to know the, the inner, the ins and outs. And unless we get Tom to come on and, you know, as a special guest to find out what really <laughs> happened. But, um, Hey, we might, we might, I mean, Hey, I did write something that was pretty defensible of him. So maybe he'll, maybe he'll, maybe, maybe he'll, read maybe, that. He'll <laughs> maybe he'll read that and be willing to come on. So, you know, um, like, I wouldn't even begin to put him under a category in the Ricketts ownership group. I wouldn't even begin to put them in like these guys are like the worst owners in sports. That's, you know, certainly not That's where it good. is. That would be insane. Yeah, that that would be that would not be, you know, it's not like they're actively um, trying to hamper their team. Right. Like we talked about Major League. It's not like they're doing what uh, Rachel. I can't remember her last name in the movie. <laughs> what she was trying to do with the team to get them so bad they got moved to Miami. Rachel so, Phelps. That's it. So, um, so I don't feel that I, I, at the same time, you know, I, I feel like it's, I'm a little frustrated because I think they could resign all three guys. Now, if it's the front office decision that you just don't want to have all three because they're either going to have too much money or, you know, they haven't all been, they, you know, they haven't all been great. If, if you want to make that as a business decision, that's fine. But it sort of feels like, you know, we couldn't necessarily afford to give them all the kind of deals we think they're going to merit. So we're not going to. And, and that's, that, that's, that's just a little bit disappointing to me, but you know, from a business standpoint, I can, I can see why that's the decision that got made. So my response to that is, first of all, I think Tom Ricketts absolutely wants the Cubs to win. He would, ideally he'd want them to win a world series every year. And I don't think it's even a motivation for the money. I think buying the Cubs is such a great investment, as you mentioned, that, whether they win or lose, they're still going to be rolling in the dough. It's Wrigley Field. It's you know an amazing fan base, and I think there's obviously potential for an owner to take advantage of that. But Tom came in and he made winning a priority. He brought in, he brought in Theo, and Theo was the best executive on the market. Doesn't mean Theo's perfect. Doesn't mean he's amazing. Um, Tom Ricketts loves the Cubs. I should mention that. Uh, my dad knew Tom Ricketts well before he bought the team. He he absolutely loves the Cubs. My dad would see Tom Ricketts on the train before he bought the team. He'd ride with him on the train. And even after he bought the team, he'd still ride on the train. He's a very regular guy for someone who has that much money. And he's a good man. And Tom still, to this day, up until two weeks ago, as I mentioned in the article, he's always lurking around Wrigley, just wanting to talk to fans, meet the fans, get their input. He he likes to ask fans, hey, what do you guys think about this team? He's he's a man of the people. He really does care about the fans. I think he genuinely does. I think he's a good guy, and I think he wants them to win. So I think everything that you said can be true, um, and I think there is evidence where you could say, like, yeah, I think someone could own this team, and prioritize the money over the winning. I think the genius of Tom Ricketts is he's not a super hands-on owner. He basically handles the business decisions and he's going to allow the front office to make their own decisions. He's not one of these guys like Jerry Jones who's going to show up in the news every day or Mark Cuban and super hands-on. Steve Cohen's a guy who who's very like trying to win over the Mets fan base. He's going to show, look, I'm going to spend all this money. I'm going to spend this money. Um, that's different. I think Ricketts, he knows he's not the baseball guy. He's the fan of the team. He loves the team, but he's not the guy who's going to make these decisions on assessment so he trusts his scouts he trusts the front office unfortunately they got in this situation now 
I want to go back to what you said about if they could have signed all three of these guys. I actually don't agree about... I don't think Chris Bryant was ever going to sign an extension because that's Boris's thing. He doesn't do extensions. Now, if you want my opinion of what's going to happen, I think this is a good segue point here. I'm predicting... I actually think Chris Bryant's going to be back on the Cubs. I think that they are going to... I think, and I think this isn't crazy to think, the stalling point in the negotiations were between Boris and Theo. And now that Theo's gone, the Cubs might be feeling better about being able to lock up Chris Bryant after this season. But Scott Boris doesn't sign extensions. So I don't think, I actually do not believe that they're going to trade Chris Bryant. Now the other two, you know, your gut, your guess is as good as mine, but I think right now, I think Chris Bryant is going to be a Cub next year. Wow. Uh, uh, of those three guys, he's my favorite. So like, certainly I certainly yeah. I would want that to happen. Um, you meant this very differently. Of those three, he's the one I'm certain will not be, I'm certain will not be around. Uh, as certain as you can be, as certain, <laughs> right? And that's that's what everyone's saying right I mean, now if, too. If for no other reason, then I feel like, unless they've already come to, you know, an agreement of some sort and just don't want to announce it, because like, you can't run the risk of thinking you're going to resign him, not resigning, and then not getting anything for him. Um, because unfortunately, at this particular juncture, and I think you pointed, you pointed. Well, you do get the you do get the arbitration, or sorry, you get the uh, compensation pick, and like comp- uh, round B though, right, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I would like for that to happen. Um, I will I will be pleasantly surprised if that's the case. Um, you know, I I I, I think we can. I, I I don't know if we're segueing into this now. We might as well. I think it's it's pretty fair with Andrew Chafin getting traded yes. yesterday. I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that Craig Kimber will get traded. He will, and certainly. I, and, I, and I don't know if uh, you uh, were watching last night. Um, there were a lot of people who were melting down uh, on social media about it as Kimbrell came in in the ninth <laughs> of a game that wasn't a safe situation when they were in a tie gate after they tied it up. And uh, they're like, why is he out here? What if he gets hurt? It was relatively amusing and kind of frustrating <laughs> all at the same time. Um <laughs> Because, like, you know, what do you do? He's like, yeah, your biggest trade chips, and what if he blows <laughs> out his elbow while a meaningless game against the Reds? Um, so it will be interesting to see what kind of return he gets um, and, you know, what can they, the Cubs decide to go in. Um, I mean, I, I think it's helpful that, you know, you never want to go on a losing streak, but I think the losing streak was helpful because it, took them to okay now we know that are we going to be buyers are we going to be sellers and now they've got a pretty good idea that they can you know they're not going to make the playoffs um because they and andrew i i I don't know how to say this i don't want to say they were blatantly tanking but i don't think they were trying too hard not to lose those games i I mean that's because i looked at some of the lineup decisions with nico horner on the bench just a bunch Ian Happ and Jason Hayward still playing every day at that point. And I feel like they kind of got what they wanted to out of that losing streak. And now all of a sudden you're starting to see Happ's not playing a whole lot. Horner is. 
Hayward is, you know, not playing as much as he once was. Because now they're in this point where, okay, we can, we we are able to rebuild now. Yeah. So, I'll say that. But I, I was just, yeah, no, continue. I was just going to, you know, I've seen lots of different rumors. You know, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Sometimes there's not. Um, there was a report, <clears throat> I think, that came out right as I was getting ready to talk to you that the Rays supposedly had started initial discussions with both the Nationals for Max Scherzer and with the Cubs for Chris Bryant. Yes. I feel like a lot of people just sort of have assumed that Bryant, if he ends up somewhere getting traded, will probably end up in New York. Um, you know, Tampa would be, a, I think, a good destination for him. If, yeah, if Tampa, if Tampa if wants where. to put their chips in this year, this is a good chance for them. Yeah, and somebody I was, <clears throat> I was reading said that, you know, they might be willing to take on a lot of these one-term rentals or you know one-season rentals because they've got a lot of young guys that are ready to ready to to be brought up so that you know if they have to take some other guys from the farm system their farm system is so well stocked that um you know they could recover until um have a pretty low payroll or kind of where they more like to be next year um so yeah you know apparently the red sox have inquired about rizzo yeah um I do not believe they're going to trade Chris Bryant. It could happen if they get the right offer. I just don't know if that offer is going to be there. And it, I, I think, I think that he's going to. I think he's going to remain a Cub. That's my, that is my belief. And now with the other two guys, I think Javi's actually going to get traded here because there's a little bit. I mean, there was a report out this past week that he's looking for two hundred million dollars. He's not worth a $200 million investment. In fact, I don't really know, because you're saying like in terms of re-signing these guys, I really only think Chris is the one that's worth giving a lot of money to. I don't think either of the other two are. And so then it comes down to what what is the price, the price is right kind of thing. What are you guys looking for? Because, look, both you guys are really good players. Both you guys are great ambassadors for the Cubs organization. But I don't know if Javi... I mean, Javi might be looking for this big money, and I don't. I just don't think he's worth it. And in addition to that, you kind of couple in a little bit of like, look, if you're only gonna, if you got it, because Rizzo, no matter what, Rizzo's not gonna be sniffing two hundred million dollars. He's at a different point of his career. There's a surplus of first baseman, but you got it. I think you have to make a decision between Baez and Bryant. And I think, I think Bryant's the guy. And if Bryant wants to come back, I think they're going to keep Chris Bryant. And I think Chris Bryant does is interested in coming back. I don't think Chris Bryant wants to get out of here or anything like that. I just think he just wants to be paid whatever he thinks he's worth or whatever Boris thinks he's worth. So I think they're going to trade bias. I I do. I also noticed there's a little bit, I mean, look, there have been a couple times where Javi has been benched for not running out of ball. I just don't know if that situation, there's as much of a honeymoon period between Javi and the Cubs at this point anymore. And then with Rizzo, it really comes down to what does Rizzo want? You have to talk with him and say, look, Anthony, you're, you're in your mid-30s now, and you, you might have to sit through a couple years of a rebuild here if you want to stay. I don't know how much money you're looking for, but we'd love to have you as the ambassador. You are the Mr. Cub of this generation. Like yeah. you, you should be here. But at the same time, at this point of your career, if you don't want to sit through a rebuild and you want to go play on a contender we can make that happen. And so I think it comes down to what is the what are the numbers that Anthony's looking for and does he 
does he really want to stay? And I think what it could end up ultimately being is similar to the John Lester situation in Boston where they put a pause on this and they say, all right, we'll let you go play on a contender for a few months. And if you want to come back, we can try to make that happen. I think that might be what ends up happening with Rizzo. Now, is it likely that you keep the guy after you trade him? I, I typically don't think it is. But I think that Rizzo, I think, is probably the biggest coin toss, I think, of all these guys. Gotcha. See, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and, and I don't know whether Javi is worth a $200 million investment either. That's, it's easy for me to spend somebody else's money and say, yeah, give him $200 million, <laughs> sure. Um, but you and I are uh, different on the uh, the other two. I'm, I'm pretty yes. sure – I agree with you on – Rizzo, um, and then I th- Bias is the one who gets extended, and I think Bryant gets traded. Um, All right, I, you know, I've said Chris Bryant's my favorite player. Like I bought his jersey. Yeah. Like I, I would love for him to remain a Cub throughout his career. Um, he's a, they're all good dudes, um, but for some reason I just got you know drawn to him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, and Rizzo's the face of the franchise. So maybe he's the only, maybe he's the only one who, who gets brought back. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, I will look forward to your, your trade deadline show on, on Friday, Saturday, <laughs> whenever and break it all down. Um, you know, I would love for you to be, I would love for you to be right. I would love for my favorite player Absolutely. to still be on, you know, team that I root for, but, uh, it, it, it'll be interesting. And it'll be an interesting next, what, 96 hours, right? Cause it wraps up, I think right about three or I don't know how 72 hours, 72 <laughs> yeah. hours, right? It's Friday about this time. So let me ask you, Andrew, what was your opinion on Joe Buck asking Chris Bryant the question at the all-star game about his future with the Cubs? You know, I mean, on the one hand, like it's a fair question, right? Like it, it's the all-star game. These guys are Mike. You got to, you got to fill them with something. And I, I think that's a fair question. It's what's on everybody's mind. At the same time, it's one of those things where you look at it and go, well, is this really the time and place for this? Like, it's supposed to be a celebration of baseball. Like, you know, he should he's just there to have a good time and, and represent the organization. So, <clears throat> like, the journalistic side of me says, yeah, this is the perfect time to ask him the question. Like, you've got a one-on-one. He's with a national TV audience. Like, this, this is a perfect chance. Whereas then the, you know, just the baseball fan of me is like, come on, just let, you know, just let him play. Let's, th- there are other... <laughs> There are other times we can ask him these questions. So, like, I was kind of divided because I feel like there were part of, to part of me it made complete and total sense. To another part, yeah, the responsibility of the press. To another part of me, it's like, you know, Joe, it's it's an exhibition game. Like, now's probably not the time for this. But you know, then on the flip side, like, yeah. If they're playing a regular season game, like if they're playing the Cardinals and he's mic'd up, like you can't ask him then. Like when can you ask him if you have Chris Bryant and you know an, an attentive audience with Chris Bryant? So well, I would say so. I would say that I think you ask him on the red carpet when they did the All Star Game red carpet. That's the yeah. right time to ask him because everyone's expecting to be asked anything. It's a media session, really, and. It can be a little on. It can be a little fun, and maybe you catch him a little off guard with the question. I just think it's tough because you, you, he was one of the few guys that agreed to be mic'd up during the game, and he was not yeah. expecting that to happen. So I, I also could go either way on it, but that was. Uh, I think I think Mike Bryant, Chris's dad, verbalized how Chris probably felt. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, he was he was not very happy. So, so other MLB trade deadline stuff. So Nelson Cruz goes to the Rays. That's a big bat for them. I really uh, like. I really like that move. Like, that's you. You know, you always kind of wonder teams who look around and and who've had previous success and well, are we gonna do it again. And you know, this is that and. You know, even mentioning a willingness to try and try and see if they could get Scherzer to open, you know, to get discussions with the Nationals, open discussions with the Cubs uh, about Chris Bryant. Like that says that the Rays ownership, one, they feel comfortable with where their team is, like we like we just talked about. But two, like they want to go for it. Like there's, you know, this is, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't ever know. You know, we could look back at the 2016 Cubs, right? And you look at their young core, and you're like, "Oh man, they're going to get all sorts of, you know, they'll have all sorts of chances." And you know, they haven't won, as you mentioned, they hadn't won a playoff game in three years, and so you never know when you're going to get back. And so, if you have a chance to be really good, and you got a chance to go for it, you go for it. And I and I commend the Tampa ownership for for doing that this time around. You know, they've they 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 missed it by. You know, like they got to the ALCS a year ago, and now they see that it's still there, and they're going to go make a run for it. Yeah, I think the Rays. I I don't think the Rays are done. I don't know if they get Scherzer. I don't know if they get Chris Bryant or what they add. But the window's right here. The Yankees are not going to be a playoff team this year, most likely. I I do not. Well, I I shouldn't entirely write them off, but it's, it's not looking good for the Yankees. And then you are. I think really you have to go all in in order to win the AL East this year because that's going to be really tough. You don't want to go into that wild card game once again. So in order to beat the Red Sox, make a couple moves like that. Uh, so love the love the fit there. He hits a solo home run over the center field wall in his second game with the Indians. I believe it was second game, and I was at I was at that game, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and you know you talk about teams making moves and you know the Padres are another one right acquiring Adam Frazier and again this is one of those things where you talk about you look at those teams in the AL East and it's the same thing in the NL West in what can you do to win the division and avoid that wild card game because you know as as you know the wild card is anything can happen in one game right if you play a three-game series a five-game series whatever you settle typically the best team's going to win not always but typically the more games you play the more likely to, the better team wins but you know in a one game winner take all anything can happen so what can you do if you're the rays or the red Sox or the blue jays in the al east or you know your giants the padres the dodgers in the nl west to win the division and avoid that playoff game. And I really like the move for the Padres. You know, acquiring Adam Frazier leads the majors in hits as of the other day. is one of the top five and fewest strikeouts for qualified plate appearances. <clears throat> so he, he's a good move, just kind of solidifying, and he's a guy who can play a bunch of different positions and, and kind of solidify that infield. They've got a lot of you know movable parts on the right side of that infield with Jacob Cronworth and and other guys and i don't think the padres are done either but now they've kind of you know thrown down their hand and said all right giants and and dodgers we've we've made our first move kind of what are you going to do now yeah we like to see that aggressiveness because the padres are five and a half games of first place so they have an uphill climb with only two months left here in the season uh it'll be i mean that's i love that they're going all in on this and it's it's what i want to see out of the mets and the phillies here this week and Potentially the Braves, too, because, look, 
let's just think about this NL East thing for a second. NL East. All you got to do is win this division. And the Braves are five games out. The Phillies are three and a half games out. The Mets don't have Jacob deGrom. The rest of their pitching staff could decline here in the second half. If, if it hasn't already started to, some of it has a little bit. I I don't, and they're, they don't score a lot of runs. The Braves still have the best run differential in this division. Um, but all you got to do is win this division that's very open. It's it's really not going to be too hard. I mean, you, you could win it at 87 games, 88 games. You don't have to run away with this division. The NL West, two of those teams are most likely going to be in the wild card game, and then the other team that wins the division is going to have to play one of those teams in the first round. So you're looking at a path where you're not going to have to play potentially the three best records in the National League until you only have to play one of those teams, and that's if you get to the NLCS. You play the Brewers, I think the Brewers are a good team, but hey, look, you take three of five from the Brewers, and you are you have a puncher's chance of getting to the World Series against potentially Dodgers, Giants, or Padres. So... And we've seen these teams in baseball where you just get hot at the right time. I was talking with Jordan Morandini yesterday. The Phillies have that type of team where their hitting's contagious and they go on streaks. So if they start peaking at the right time, maybe you see the Phillies getting into the NLCS. For as bad a season as the Braves have had, everything has gone, you know, has not gone their way. They have I mean, they have a really tough decision here. They could theoretically still go for it as i mentioned they still have the best run differential in the nl in the nl east yeah so it it will be it will be really interesting to see who does what and how many buyers there are i feel like for the most part like i think you can go ahead and pencil the brewers in as the nl central champs right like and maybe the reds have an outside shot at the wild card but for the most part like that it's just kind of playing out the streak, and I would like to see the Brewer. The Reds, the Reds blew their chance uh, right out of the All Star break, and they got swept yeah. by the Phillies. And that was the if they had won. I think they were four games out at that point, or uh, going into that series. And if they, and that, I think that was a home series too. If they won those games, they had a chance to go. If the, let's say the Reds sweep that series, they're one game out, and they, it's so much more interesting mm-hmm. at that point moving forward. Instead, they get swept. And now I think that yeah I think that I think the Reds are going to I mean they're pretty much buried yeah. here in NL Central. Now we have seen the we have seen the Brewers lose a, an NL Central lead though it would, in the past, uh, they, late in the season. Yeah, that's true. I would like to see as we're talking about teams who might make acquire, uh, acquisitions. Uh, they've been mentioned uh, for Josh Donaldson. I don't know whether that ends up being the case. Yeah. It would be good for them to see uh, to get a, another bat in the lineup, just because I feel like. You know, talk about uh, in the divisional series, you got to win three of five. Like the the three pitchers, the three starters that the Brewers are going to throw out there, spectacular. Right? But can you see an instance where they get shut down by a really good arm, and you know somebody hits a home run, and they lose a game one nothing? Like that's that's a really conceivable possibility. And so it would be good, I think, for them to try and acquire another bat. I don't know how many bats are out there. I, you know, I don't know. It's it's inconvenient for them that they're in the same division with the Cubs because any three of those guys would fit so well on that Brewers team. Yeah. You had Javi, you had Chris, you had Rizzo. Any 
or or more than or more than one of them, they would fit so well. But you're never going to see the Cubs trade in the Brewers. I just I don't think that is going to happen. Yeah, I don't think, especially with the possibility of any of those guys signing, like they're definitely not going to yeah. get traded to another team within the division. But uh, yeah, yeah I, it will be. You know, we got like we said, seventy-two hours, give or take a few minutes. It will be interesting to see what the Phillies, the Braves, everybody decides to do because, um, you know, like you said, the East is out there to be had. Um, and what moves are the teams in the West going to make to try and ensure that they stay out of that wild card game? And you know what's what's going to happen? The you know in the American League, the same kind of thing. Who's going to try to avoid the wild card game? Try and win the division? Can somebody think they still might sneak up? You know, do the where do the A's kind of fall in that? And do they think that they can make a run at that wild card spot and, and things like that? So it will be a thoroughly entertaining next few days here. Yeah, and the AL is so so much – I mean, it's really interesting right now. You have, in, at this current point in time, Boston, Houston, White Sox, all leading their divisions. And in the wild card, you got the Rays and the A's. And Seattle's only a game out from the wild card. So Seattle could sneak in there. They've won four in a row. They have a really good young core. I mean, I think Seattle's laying the groundwork for – next year as a potential favorite to win the division yeah yeah so do they you know does the seattle's ownership look at it and go hey we can make a run at it is it worth you know how far down the prospect list might you have to go in order to to get a piece that might help you is it worth sacrificing that or maybe is it, or is maybe it's... tramel maybe tramel's a guy that they trade yes. because if you look in the long run of things you got julio rodriguez uh and kelenich and uh Haniger and I think there's another they there's another outfield oh Kyle Lewis yeah. Kyle Lewis they have so many outfielders Taylor Trammell could be a guy that they dangle here and maybe they I don't know what they really would want to add but I mean my goodness that that seems pretty fun no they're not on anyone's radar no no they're they're a lot of fun to watch they make uh, having the late night mob.tv worth it yeah and then you got Angels Cleveland Toronto Yankees all within five games. Angels, I mean, hey, I've been hard on them in the past. Joe Madden and Shohei Otani, the two of them, this team, and Patrick Sandoval's been a really uh, impressive, I think he's a rookie this year. He's been really good. He had no hitter that he took into the ninth over the weekend. Uh, My goodness, this is going to be, the AL side of things is a lot more, I think it's a lot more fun than the NL side of things at this time, but Interesting decisions to be made. Andrew, your native Detroit Tigers were playing some good baseball before the four-game losing streak. They were, yeah. And, uh, you know, they've got kind of a little bit of a decision. Um, They re-signed Jonathan Scope uh, in the offseason to a one-year deal, and he's been really good for them. And, like, he would be a valuable thing if they wanted to try and trade him. But there are, you know, there's a lot of discussion among fans. Should we trade? Should they trade him? Should they, like, try and offer him to an extension because they don't really have a second baseman in the pipeline? Um, you know, they don't have a whole lot other than that um, that I think is worth trading. But uh, you, it's, it's fun to watch them play well. Um, you know, and they don't always play well. They, they, you know, they just got swept at home by Kansas City, but or in Kansas City. But um, you know, it, it 
I felt like it was the same way with the Cubs, you know, when the, the you know, 2013, when the, the Cubs were not great. Yeah. And then 2014, they start to play a little better. And you can start to see, you know, through the through the weeds, okay, year to year now. And uh, so I, I think there's, there's help in the farm system along the way. Those young arms are getting experience. Sometimes they're getting lit up. Sometimes they're not. But, um, you know, they've got – it'll be interesting to see what the front office decides to do with scope. Um, but – uh, you know, it, it, it's good to see them playing well. And I have to ask you, uh, before we transition, I assume, to college football, um, what, what would you like to see the White Sox do? I mean, I, I, mean, I know you're not necessarily a specific White Sox Ooh. fan, but I know you watch a lot of their games and, and kind of oh yeah what what sort of piece i know with uh eloy coming back that maybe changes the uh you know the calculus a little bit but kind of if what's the sort of piece for them that you feel like they might be missing that's a great question and but to to clear things up i really i've mentioned this in the past i am less and less of a fan each year of a particular team and more and more of just an objective observer so i grew up not really caring for the Sox, and now I got no ill will towards them or anything like that. I do watch them a lot. I think they're a fun team. Uh, the only team that I have any kind of ill will towards at this time is the Houston Astros. That's really it. I feel like I'm able to kind of look at everyone as objectively as possible, but that's the one team that I have the I have the toughest time really judging and uh, seeing. But I think the thing that's interesting, I, I would say that I mean, maybe there's a bat or two, just a couple of smaller pieces to add to the team. But I really think that I would try to, if I could get another bullpen piece or two, maybe it's Ryan Tapera from the Cubs. The thing that I think would be my one concern with the Sox, and I watched the, I was at the Sox game back in June with Luke Gore, the Valpo uh, associate head coach. And his thing he was talking about with the bullpen is like, Hendricks is phenomenal. He's great. And Kopech and Crochet, when those two are healthy, they were they both have been injured a little bit this year, and the team's had a lot of injuries. The other three relievers that they use, they're a little lower on the depth chart, whether it's Evan Marshall. Um, Aaron Bummer is good. Aaron Bummer's good. There's another one. Uh, Evan Marshall, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Those two are not guys I would trust at all. I think those. I think you just need to. Rep- I would. I would. I would upgrade those two relievers. Uh, upgrade from those two relievers. So I think they add a couple of nice bullpen pieces. I don't really think they have to make a big splash because this team's so good right now, and it's going to by adding Robert and Jimenez. That's like making trades just to get those bats in there, and so if you. If you go out and get other bats, then it becomes harder to find ways to fit those guys in, um, which some might see as a good as a good kind of problem, but I don't know if it is because even if the Sox don't win it this year, they're going to be right back there next year. So ideally, you'd want to see those guys get those playoff reps. They're going to suit them well in the long run. So I think I would look towards the bullpen. And I think the starting rotation has been you have four guys that, yes, Giolito has not had a great year, and yes, Keuchel hasn't had a great year, but you get Keuchel in a playoff game, that's a guy that I can trust. Yeah, that that seems 
pretty reasonable. That's kind of, you know, what I was thinking about as I was sitting trying to figure out, you know, and, and surveying kind of my Sox friends, uh, fan friends as to kind of what they think. And they're, they're on similar lines of uh, a bullpen piece would be kind of what they're missing. So, again, a lot to keep an eye out on over the next, you know, 72 hours. Who does <laughs> yeah. what? Who decides to make what moves? Who can right. make moves? Who's happy to stand pat? And then we'll then we'll have a, a two-month sprint to the finish. <laughs> Were you surprised at all that the Pirates traded Frazier? Mm, no, not really, to be honest. Um, and they've got, you know, their... I feel like they are a year or two behind where the Tigers are. Um, and yeah. they've gone with their hard reset. And, you know, they've got some good young pieces. I love Cabrian Hayes. Yeah. And, you know, they've got some, some other good young pieces. But, you know, they're they're a couple years away from being a year away. And I think, they, you know, like, I don't know enough about the Padres farm system to know how high of prospects they got. But... When, you know, if you can get something for a guy like that, you might as well do it. Yeah, and Frazier's deal is up after next year, so I don't know what you're paying him, if he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, at what point the team's good again. So I think the thing is, is that I did not, I guess I didn't realize that he only had a year left of control after this year. So they, they I think they're striking at the right time because you trade him in a year He's a rental pl- rental piece, and you're not getting as much back. So I think that was a good trade. Um, but I guess I hadn't realized that he didn't have as much time left on that contract because he's just kind of breaking through now. And, and the earlier, you know, when he was brought up, he didn't get to play a whole lot because the Pirates had a crowded outfield and Josh Harrison, they had a lot of guys. So uh, it wasn't something that I was thinking too much about before it happened. So I guess I was surprised in that sense, but I think it was a I think it was a good move for Pittsburgh. Seems like they got a nice haul back. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Andrew. Before we wrap up, this is our the first part of our two part conversation. We're basically doing two podcast episodes in a row here, uh, having fun on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, before we wrap up, were there any other trades that happened over the weekend that we failed to mention at this point? And if not, then I have another question for you. I'm trying to think. I don't think of anything major. Yeah, I don't think there was. Super no, significant. Not... I mean, you mentioned Chafin. He's going to the at the A's, and the Cubs got a nice AAA prospect last night. Um, I think that was a nice return for them. And yeah, I don't. I don't think there was anything else. No. Yeah, not super not notable. Yet. I mean, there are a lot of you know you know rumblings. Yeah. And we talked about some of those pieces. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing big as of. Nothing major that we haven't otherwise checked on already. Yes. Okay, so our last thing here before we shift gears and get to episode number two, I got to say, just it's important to kind of, I think we should know who might be on the market here. So it looks like like the Nationals are going to be big-time sellers here. They're eight and a half games out of first place. This five-game losing streak for them, suspiciously coming at the right time because now they can kind of rehaul. Mike Rizzo, I believe, came out and said that everyone aside from Juan Soto is available. Yep. So that that means that Trey Turner is available. Now, I don't 
I think you got to give a huge haul for Trey Turner. Trey Turner is one of the best shortstops in this league. I I would be surprised if Turner gets traded. But he's a but he's a guy who's on the end of his deal, right? I think he. I, I think, think he, I, think I don't he's, think he's a he's not a free agent this year. Maybe in a year. No, because for some reason, let's see when this is. It's possible. I guess it, it that could be the case. I just hadn't when I've been looking at who's a free agent, the shortstop. Crop, I never, I hadn't seen his name when I've looked at that. Let's see. Go to spot. He's rack. on a one-year, thirteen million dollar deal. Are you sure? He's art. He's arbitration eligible okay. for next yeah. year. So he's got next year, but so that, I guess this would be the like if you want to do the Frazier thing and get the the peak value, you could trade him now. And man, that <laughs> Trey Turner, my goodness, that's a huge trade chip. But then some of the guys like Jan Gomes or Kyle Schwarber, John Lester, Scherzer is on the last year of his deal. I think like they're going to be big time sellers here. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And you know, just a little bit of a blip and kind of a mini rebuild. But uh, you know, like you said, Trey Turner should fetch some nice pieces. I, Max Scherzer is not going to come cheaply um, if they end up getting him. So. Um, yeah, the chance for the the Nationals to look really different here, and uh, by the time we get to the weekend, yeah, Dodgers could use another pitcher because uh, one of theirs is probably might not see again this year. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that. Diamondbacks, Cattell Marte, he's another one to be on the lookout for. Twins, Jeff Passan wrote last week. Byron Buxton is a potential trade chip. Um, so there's a there's a this is a good time I think to sell because there are a lot of really aggressive teams that want to trade for these guys and there are a lot of good pieces on the market. So that I think that I do think this is going to be more of an explosive trade deadline than we've had. Sometimes we 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 look at it and we think there's going to be more than ends up being. I would be surprised if we don't see something he, like we're going to we're going to this is going to be a very active trade dead then. Now, does Trevor Story get traded? I don't know. I don't know if that happens. But there's a lot of big names out there and even if you don't go for the superstar names, there are big time contributors such as just a guy like Kyle Schwarber, all-star year, great year was on a huge hot streak. There's a lot available and I think these teams that are really fighting for it this year are going to be pretty aggressive. They're yeah, already showing yeah, it. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's good to have it back. I feel like we spent a lot of time talking about things that are good to have back. And I know last season, the truncated season, had a trade deadline, but only coming three games in and in a 62-game se- or 60-game season, not a lot of people And knew. everyone makes the playoffs, too. Right. So not a lot of people were like, oh, we're going to be buyers, we're going to be sellers. So, you know, really the first real trade deadline we've had in a couple of years. So there's like, a lot going on. All right, so Andrew and I are going to talk football now. So make sure you guys listen into that episode of the podcast. This is the A side of the podcast. We're about to record our B side of the podcast. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. Andrew, closing words for the A side of this episode. Uh, it's I'm looking forward to it. Like it's it's strange because normally, you know, I feel like the last few years I've kind of been like, okay, the team I'm rooting for, the Tigers. You know, they're, they're in contention. They need to add a piece. And now I kind of feel like neither of those teams are really in a position to add a piece. So you can just kind of sit back and kind of watch um, with a more um, impartial eye kind of what, what moves get made and, and see what happens. And I'm looking forward to it. 
All right, folks, that does it for my conversation today with Andrew Stem. You can catch the second part of this podcast episode in the podcast feed as well as we talk plenty of college football. Don't miss that. I'll also be back later this week for the MLB trade deadline, and I'll have Albert Destrade joining me early next week to talk some more baseball. Make sure you guys subscribe to the show. If you like what you're hearing, do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review if you like what you're hearing today. Do that on Apple Podcasts. We got a YouTube channel. It's Jack. It's youtube.com slash Jack Vita. And then vote in the... Oh, I almost said kid show bracket. We did that last year. Sports movie bracket on my Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jack Vita Show. Make sure you guys show out and vote. Have some fun. Enjoy. Enjoy the week. Happy uh, last week of July. Pretty wild that we're already at this point in summer. But um, yeah. All right. So until the next time you hear from me, guys, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>